Hey everybody and welcome to Season 2 of No Root, No Fruit, A History of Folk Roots and Americana Music, One Record at a Time. Season 2 was made possible by the generous support of almost a hundred listeners who were able and kind enough to donate to a successful Kickstarter campaign. If you like what you hear, check out the transcripts and links for each episode at NoRootNoFruit.com. While there, you can also make a direct donation to keep the podcast coming. You may also choose to become a sustaining contributor through my Patreon page. All those options, including access to the episodes in Season 1, are all at NoRootNoFruit.com. Now let's get this show started. Well, if I had no place to fall And a need to could have count on you to lay me down I rarely use the word legend when it comes to describing the true icons of our music Legend evokes characters who are larger than life and probably didn't exist, or if they did, the mythology that builds up around them is large and implausible. When it comes to Towns Van Zant, I think I'll make an exception. He spent most of his short life constantly touring around the world, touching thousands with his deeply poetic and personal songs that somehow held universal truths. He also slept on our couches, gave his entire night's pay to the homeless folks in our towns, and literally gave people the shirt off his back. Did he write If I Needed You in his sleep? That was one of the stories he told. Did he really fall four stories from his college apartment balcony just to see what taking it to the edge would feel like? Hundreds of stories like that followed Towns Van Zant from his nomadic childhood until his body gave out at the age of 52 from a lifetime of touring, excessive alcohol consumption, and drug abuse. So, if you're going to talk about myth, let's begin with the expert on the subject, Dr. Joseph Campbell. Jonah in the whale. I mean, that's, that's a standard motif of going into the whale's belly and coming out again. Why must the hero do that? The whale represents the uh, personification, you might say, of all that is in the unconscious. In reading these things psychologically, water is the unconscious. The creature in the water would be the dynamism of the unconscious, which is is dangerous and powerful and has to be uh, controlled by consciousness. Well, I used to wake and run with the moon I live like a rake and a young man I'd cover my lovers with flowers and wounds My laughter the devil would frighten The first stage in the hero adventure when he starts off on adventure is leaving the realm of light which he controls and knows about and moving toward the uh, the threshold and it's at the threshold that the monster of the abyss comes to meet him. Time was like water, but I was a sea. I never noticed it changing. Except for the turning of night into day, and the turning of day into cursing. And then there are two or three results. One, 
the hero is cut to pieces and descends into the abyss in fragments to be resurrected, or he may kill the dragon power, as Siegfried does when he kills the dragon, but then he tastes the dragon blood. That's say he has to assimilate that power. And when Siegfried has killed the dragon and tasted the blood, he hears the song of nature. He has transcended his humanity, you know, and re-associated uh, uh, himself with the powers of nature, which are the powers of our, of our life, from which our mind removes us. I buried my face, but it spoke once again. The nights of the day were abandoned. Now the dark air is like fire on my skin. And even the moonlight is blinded. Now the dark air is like fire on my skin. And even the moonlight is blinded. The first time I interviewed Towns Van Zant, he told me that he wrote the song Poncho and Lefty in a chair. He told me if I would have been in that chair at that time, I would have written that song. Towns told a lot of people a lot of things, all of which just added to the myth and the legend. One thing is for sure, Towns, more than any other songwriter I've come across, was willing and able to go deep into the belly of that whale. Sometimes I don't know where this dirty road is taking me Sometimes I can't even see the reason why I guess I keep a gambling, lots of booze and lots of rambling It's easier than just waiting around to die He called Waiting Around to Die the first serious song he ever wrote. The next time I interviewed Towns, he was promoting a show in the Detroit area. Later, after a brilliant performance, we found ourselves at the after party, sitting at the bar in the basement of the house owned by the promoter. I remembered something Guy Clark told me years before when I asked him if he had any tips about interviewing his old friend Towns. The only thing Guy said was, don't gamble with him. Well, I related this to Mr. Van Zant. His eyes glazed over without missing a beat reached into his pocket, pulled out a pair of dice, laid them on the bar, looked me straight in the eye, and offered just a buck. I somehow knew better. Well, if I had a dollar bill, yes, I believe I surely will. Put a tan and drink my fill early in the morning. Little darling, she's a red-haired thing. Man, she makes my legs too sink. Gonna buy her a diamond ring early in the morning. Towns Van Zant lived a complicated and often tumultuous life. Like so many of the images in his songs, it was a study in contradictions. Light and dark, joy and sorrow, home and highway. I always feel compelled to tell an artist's whole story in this podcast, and then I remember this is about one influential and inspiring recording. So I will fill you in on the life of Towns Van Zant leading up to that week in July of 1973 when he recorded several concerts at a dive bar in Houston called The Old Quarter. 
For the full, intriguing tale, check out the many books written about Towns. The two I used mostly were To Live is to Fly, The Ballad of the Late Great Towns Van Zant by John Cruth, and A Deeper Blue, The Life and Music of Towns Van Zant by Earl Hardy. I'm also not a doctor or a specialist when it comes to addiction or the effect of bipolar disorder, so I'll do my best to keep Towns' struggle with drugs, alcohol, and mental illness within the scope of the amazing songs that ended up on the set list at the Old Quarter on that sweltering week in July. His struggles with all of that, however, is an important part of the story. He was born John Towns Van Zant, and his early life was spent in and around the Fort Worth, Houston area. It's true that his extended family was steeped in wealth and Texas politics, but his dad was an oil man who moved around a lot. They took off for Montana when Towns was in the fourth grade. He would spend his summers in Colorado, a place he loved and wrote about throughout his entire life. His life changed on September 9th, 1956, when this happened. Now these gold records, four of them, have been awarded to a singing star that you're going to meet in a moment. You know very well who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Elvis Presley. At the very first opportunity, Ed Sullivan will award these gold records to him personally, but now it's time to meet the singer I've been talking about, and so away to Hollywood to meet Elvis Presley. His dad agreed to buy him his first guitar if he would learn Fraulein, a number one song written by Lawton Williams and recorded by Bobby Helms in 1957. Can't forget her. I miss my pretty for all A song Towns Van Zant played on stage his entire life. Those same stars above you, I swear that I love you. For you are my pretty Fraulein. His early influences were Johnny Cash and Jerry Lee Lewis coming out of the Sun Studios in Memphis, as well as Ricky Nelson, Hank Williams, and Lefty Frizzell. All kinds of music that blurred the line between rock and roll and country. Add blues, especially Texas bluesman Lightning Hopkins and traditional folk, the same kind that inspired Bob Dylan, and you start to see a musical picture of Towns' style. When Towns was in high school, the family once again uprooted and moved to Boulder, Colorado, then again to the Chicago area. He finished his junior and senior years of high school at a military-type residency in Minnesota, where he was known for his affinity for sniffing glue. The everyday drinking started when he began his freshman year at the University of Colorado in Boulder. 
battling mood swings and depression. He dropped out after two years, and his parents admitted him to a psychiatric hospital in Galveston, Texas, where, in a four-month period, he received 40 combined treatments of shock and insulin coma therapy. This pretty much wiped out most of his childhood memories. He continued to play his guitar and sing all kinds of styles throughout all of this. Now enrolled in college in Houston, Towns got married for the first time in the summer of 1965. He was 21 years old. It was around this time that he met Guy Clark. Both were performing at Houston Folk Club called The Jester. Towns was playing mostly blues, Dylan songs, and others in that folk country style. Newly married and still taking classes, Towns never let the desire to play music for a living diminish. He practiced diligently and started to write songs. He did this mostly in a small walk-in closet he converted for that purpose in the one-bedroom apartment he shared with his new wife. That's where he wrote Waiting Around to Die and a handful of others that followed him around for the rest of his life. It was meeting the songwriter Mickey Newberry in a Houston coffee shop that kick-started his recording career. Towns Van Zant recorded seven studio records between 1968 and 1973. He released six of them. These early studio recordings were often attempts to create a commercial sound which didn't always mesh with the kinds of songs Towns wrote. At the time, he took the stage at the Old Quarter in July of 1973 to record 26 songs that would be released four years later. He was still sleeping on couches, and he was still pretty happy when an appreciative crowd of a hundred showed up to stay quiet and listen to what his songs had to say. A few great federales say They could have had them any day They only let them go so wrong Out of kindness, I suppose Thanks. Thanks a lot. Man, I never heard it. I never heard it that quiet in here before. Towns Van Zant Live at the Old Quarter was recorded over five shows in July of 1973. It was extra hot in Houston that week. The sound of the air conditioners ruined the first night's taping, leaving four nights to record just about everything Towns knew. This included old favorites, as well as new songs and a few covers. He performed in the basement of the two-story bar with the air conditioners off, where the combination of the heat and the crowded room was almost unbearable. Even still, the crowd seems to hang in silence on every word and note. These recordings are thought by many to be the best example of Towns Van Zant as both a writer and a guitar player. It continues to be the recommended introduction to this unique and inspiring songwriter. When the double LP was released in May of 1977, four years after the sessions were recorded, it was the first record to be released since the late great Towns Van Zant in 1972. Live at the Old Quarter opens with club owner Dale Soffer. A few announcements for the people that just came in. Other people have heard it five times, I'm sure. The restrooms are upstairs. Payphones upstairs. Pool tables upstairs. Foosballs upstairs. Cigarette machines upstairs. No, wait. We're not talking about that. This week, the Old Quarters had Towns Van Zant for five nights. We have him for one more night, and we're glad to have him here tonight. Towns Van Zant. 
Towns apologizes for the air conditioners being turned off and then launches into Poncho and Lefty, a song with one of the best first lines there is. Living on the road, my friend, was gonna keep you free and clean. Now you wear your skin like iron and your breath's as hard as kerosene. Emmy Lou Harris was the first artist of note to cover the song in 1977. Since then, it has been recorded by dozens and dozens of artists, most notably Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard. Well, Poncho met his match, you know, on the deserts down in Mexico. And nobody heard his dying word. Oh, but that's the way it goes All of that are all they say They could have had him any day Only let him slip away Out of kindness, I suppose los federales bien que hablaban sobre él y que era muy fácil para agarrar pero no lo pienso yo Since Towns doesn't say a lot about his songs and his introductions he often turns to jokes like this one He's drunk walking down the street and he walks up to this cop and he says man somebody stole my car and the cop says, well, where was it? And he says, it was right on the end of this key. <laughs> cop says, uh, I don't know, man. Why don't you go down to the precinct house and uh, report it down there and they'll fill out all the proper forms, you know, and all that stuff. Guy says, okay. And he starts to walk off and the cop says, uh, for you downtown, you better zip up your fly. The guy looks down and says, oh, man, they got my girl, too. And then it's right to the haunting Mr. Mud and Mr. Gold, a song he recorded in the studio two years before, but there's something about the solo performance in this intimate setting that takes the listener deep into that deck of cards. Well, the wicked king of clubs awoke. It was to his queen he turned. His lips were laughing as they spoke. His eyes like bullets burn. The sun's upon a gambling day. His queen smiled low and blissfully. Let's make some wretched fool to pay. Plain it was, she did agree. The complexity of this lyric and its almost tongue-twister-like delivery illustrates that Towns took these performances at the old quarter seriously. His drug use in this period was strong, but he seemed to leave it behind for these performances in July of 1973. Now mud he checked and gold bet all, and mud he raised and gold did call, and that smile just melted off his face when mud turned over that diamond ace. Now here's what this story's told, you feel like mud you'll end up gold. Feel like lost, you'll end up found, so amigo, lay them raises down. Towns doesn't spend a lot of time talking about the meaning of his songs. He, like so many other songwriters, prefer to allow the songs to speak for themselves. When pressed, he would often just make stuff up. Did he write If I Needed You in His Sleep, or was that To Live Is To Fly? Did he really write Poncho and Lefty in a magical chair? It doesn't matter. What matters are lines like this. Days up and down they come Like rain on a conga drum Forget most, remember some But don't turn none away 
Everything is not enough And nothing is too much to bear Where you've been is good and gone All you keep is the getting there Of the 26 songs that made the final cut of Live at the Old Quarter, 15 had been included on past recordings. Here are just a few of the highlights. Well, if I needed you, would you come to me? Would you come to me and ease my pain? If you needed me, I would come to you. I'd swim the seas for to ease your pain Where the name she gave was Caroline The daughter of a miner And her ways were free And it seemed to me sunshine walked beside her oh and if you go searching for rhyme or for reason well then you won't have the time that it takes just for talking a mother's breast, a newborn child Poet tears and a drunken smile But I can't help thinking all the while That meaning won't be wasted You built your tower strong and tall Can't you see it's got to fall someday Five of the songs that made the cut were fairly new songs, songs that were recorded for a project called Seven Come Eleven in 1973, but didn't see the light of day until 20 years later under the name The Nashville Sessions. Here's a few of those. Ride the blue wind high and free She'll lead you down through misery Leave you low come time to go Alone and low as low can be Loretta, she's a barroom girl Wears them sevens on her sleeve Dances like a diamond shines Tells me lies I love to believe If I had no place to fall And I needed to could have count on you to lay me down. I'm going out on a highway, listen to them big trucks whine. White freight line, I want you to steal away my mind. Oh, white freight line, I want you to steal away my mind. He reserved four of those songs to pay tribute to some of his musical heroes. Of course, he included Lightning Hopkins. 
come on and get me Mama, let's go have some fun I just want to see Mama with that new car Everything will be alright all Long about the break of dawn and finger-picking influence, Merle Travis. Well, it's a long way to Harlem And it's a long way to Hazard Just to get a little brew Just to get a little brew Well, when I'm long gone You can make my tombstone At a number nine coal At a number nine coal Oh, and a great version of a Bo Diddley song. I walked 47 miles of barbed wire Use a cobra snake for a necktie Well, I got me a house on a roadside Made out of rattlesnake hide Got me a chimney made on top Made out of human skull Come on, take a little walk me all Tell me who you love Live at the Old Quarter is, in fact, an ideal introduction to the genius of Towns Van Zandt. It perfectly captures the first wave of a creative output that continues to inspire today and will, most likely, inspire well into the future. Towns Van Zandt died on New Year's Day 1997 at the age of 52. His songs are still being recorded and sung, the stories continue to be told, and the mythology and the legend looms larger than ever. I mentioned earlier that I had the opportunity to interview Towns Van Zant not once, but twice early in my career as a radio host. For some reason, I neglected to record them. For years, I put the word out to see if anyone else did. No luck. Until now. My guest for this episode on Towns Van Zant Live at the Old Quarter is Don Gagne. Don is an award-winning political reporter and currently serves as NPR's national political correspondent. Don began working for National Public Radio in 1986, reporting on the automobile industry and labor issues in Detroit from the studios of WDET. That's where and when we met. Don started reporting full-time for the network covering the 2000 presidential election. He had since served as White House correspondent and has filed reports from all over the world. His Midwest charm and sharp reporting skills combine to create unforgettable stories that get right to the heart of everyday Americans and their connection to the political process. What you might not know about Don Gagne is his lifelong love of Americana music. It turns out that Don captured my second interview with Towns Van Zant, which took place on February 12th of 1993 on cassette tape. Thankfully, he kept it all these years. I couldn't figure out a way to include it in this episode, so I decided to release a bonus episode featuring the edited interview and two songs Towns performed live. This material has not been heard by anyone for over 30 years. But back to Don Gagne. He was, to say the least, thrilled to talk about one of his songwriting heroes, a guy he encountered 45 years ago. I discovered Towns Van Zandt quite by accident. 
as happens. It was 1978. I was a student, Michigan State University, and they used to have concerts up there in the round in those, uh, those classrooms that were mini lecture halls. They called them kivas, and they held maybe a couple of hundred people tops. John Lee Hooker was doing a show. I was a John Lee Hooker fan. I'd never seen John Lee Hooker. Tickets were $3.50. I went with a friend from the dormitory. We got there and there was an opening act. Uh, Somebody they identified as Towns Van Zandt. And he came out on stage with just his guitar. And I do recall that he had a fiddle player with him which for Towns Van Zandt, especially probably in 1978, passes for a full band, right? (laughs) He sang the song Poncho and Left to start the set. I went in a matter of, I don't know, 20 seconds, uh, going from who is this guy to who is this guy? (laughs) Living on the road, my friend, was gonna keep you free and clean. Now you wear your skin like iron and your breath is hard. This is amazing. And he played song after song after song, each one brand new to me. They're songs that are just, you know, part of my vocabulary. Now I know them inside out from listening to Old Porter and the other albums so often. But I was hearing everyone for the first time. And none of them felt like a song that I was hearing for the first time. They all felt so comfortable. And I don't know, familiar isn't the word. There was something, I guess, just so compelling about them that, you know, you didn't have that feeling of, oh, I don't know this one. Uh, I wonder if I'm going to like it. They all just grabbed me one after the next. I, I guess he probably did kind of a short set. I've I've looked online and I can I can I can find the dates for the show because they're listed in these databases that people <laughs> compile. But I can't find a set list anywhere. So I assume he probably played forty five minutes to an hour, and then John Lee Hooker came out and did one of the great shows <laughs> I've ever seen. One bourbon, one scotch, and one. But as great as John Lee Hooker was, I, uh, I was walking across campus that night just wondering who this person was, how I had never seen him before, barely being able to remember his, his name and knowing that I would be a fan for life. And that's how it's turned out. But I was coming into this this show. It was my idea to go, right? Uh, Already a fan of John Lee Hooker. Already a fan of Tom Waits. Operator, number please. It's been so many years. And Randy Newman. What has happened down here? Is the wind have changed? Clouds roll in from the north and it start to rain. And uh, John Prine. Sam Stone came home 
wife and family after serving in the conflict overseas. And all of those great songwriters that we, we have all revered for so long. I was primed for somebody like Towns Van Zandt. The more I got to know about him, the less I was shocked that I'd never heard of him before because uh, he, he seems to have spent his entire career working at staying underneath people's radar. And, and he would talk about that and, and joke about that, maybe despite, despite his best efforts to remain a secret. Since his passing, his music has only become more and more familiar and revered and legendary i think is a word that that we can we can use here to the point where towns van zant is kind of a household name among certain music fans But then here's what happened, right? So I'm now, uh, by virtue of this 70 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever it was that I spent in his presence in East Lansing, Michigan that day, his biggest fan on planet Earth, right? And uh, he's then nowhere to be found. For years, I was always looking to see when and where Towns Van Zant was going to be playing somewhere. And... He wasn't playing anywhere that I could find. I mean, these were pre-internet days, you know, pre-Google search days and all of that. You couldn't find where people were going to be. Uh, you just had to watch the listings in your alternative weekly newspaper and on the calendar on your favorite public radio station and, and, and all of that stuff. And he just disappeared. Now, not long after I saw him, the album Live at the Old Quarter came out. And I was, I was shopping for records, something I still do. I, I remember I was at the Corvettes department store <laughs> down river Detroit and I'm leafing through the bins and there's this kind of metallic green cover and a thick album, a double LP that said Towns Van Zant live at the old quarter. And I think it was probably, you know, $6 and 98 cents or, or something like that. I grabbed it and bought it and put it on the turntable at home and was stunned because it was essentially the exact show I had seen in terms of sound quality and song selection and his demeanor and those, you know, those, those bad, let's just call them kind of tasteless jokes <laughs> that he tells and I listened to that, that album and it took me right back into that room listening to him. And still, that was 1970, 78 or, or thereabouts. And I still couldn't find him playing anywhere. It was another, I think it was another 10 or 12 years that uh, he came back through and did a show at the Ark in Ann Arbor. And he came through on a triple bill with Guy Clark who I had already gotten to know uh, musically by then, and somebody I'd never heard of before until that night, Robert Earl Keane. After that, it seemed that, uh, you know, maybe he had gotten his life together enough, or maybe he would, had just kind of rediscovered the Midwest. I don't know, I don't know what, what it was, but it seemed like after that, I was able to see him somewhere not too far from where I was living in Michigan every year or every couple of years. 
Where the clouds didn't look like cotton They didn't even look like clouds I was underneath the weather Nobody wrote like the kind of very accessible but shockingly powerful poetry that Towns wrote. There was something so, so lean and so clean in his lyrics, but also so, so deep and so profound. You know, there's that, that, that verse in the song, If I Needed You. Uh, and this is just so simple. It's uh, you will miss sunrise if you close your eyes, and that would break my heart in two. You will miss sunrise if you close your eyes, that would break my heart in two. There's nothing complicated about that. But it is so delicately phrased and so elegantly phrased and captures a moment so perfectly. Those were the kind of things that, I mean, literally kind of took my breath away watching him that first time and then later listening to him perform that song and others on Live at the Old Boy. Yes, it's an album of songs, and yes, it's a live performance, but I think of it as like, you know, I'm a radio journalist. I think of it almost like this great radio story where you are right in the room with him, and you can feel the heat, and you can you can smell the sweat of everybody else is in there, but there's this guy on stage, and it's Towns Van Zant, and that's all that matters. Won't say I love you, babe. Won't say I need you, babe But I'm gonna get you, babe And I will not do you wrong Living's mostly wasting time And I waste my share of mine But it never feels too good So let's don't That song, To Live Is To Fly, was probably my first favorite town song. And it's still among my favorites. It is, again, such a beautiful, simple song. So shake your dust off of your wings and the sleep out of your eyes. Well, to live's to fly all low and high. So shake the dust off of your wings and the sleep out of your eyes. Well, shake the dust off of your wings and the tears out of your eyes. I feel really lucky to have seen him play live. It's one of those like cards I get to play when I'm talking to somebody who's younger than me, who I know is a huge Americana music fan. And I even know they revere towns. And I will, I will say, you know, I saw him play <laughs> and they look at you like, like, you know, like, like you saw Duke Ellington or somebody, you know, or, or, or literally, or Hank Williams. I feel so lucky to have seen him standing alone on a stage with a guitar singing these songs. It, it wasn't always an easy thing for the audience. That first show I saw in 1978 was perfect. And I saw 
several other great shows over the years. I think I saw him, I don't know, eight or nine times probably. There were also times that the things Towns was wrestling with in his in his uh, life, his his alcoholism, his you know his his mental health, just kind of being isolated and 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 on the road would lead to a performance where a lot of that came out. I sat in like the second row of uh, a club in Ann Arbor watching him do a show that was really rough. He made it through the show, but the whole time sitting in the audience, you weren't sure he was going to make it through this show. I described it to somebody at the time as watching someone ride a rickety bicycle down the street, you know, with the handlebars wobbling. They're going in the direction they need to go, but you're fully expecting them to just kind of pitch over the handlebars at any moment and it's going to be done. And I saw shows with towns that were like that. That was a troubling thing to see, but it was also his life and it was, it was who he was, but mostly I remember those, you know, four or five really, really great show that I saw him do. And None greater than that first one when I saw him in May in 1978 for $3.50 as the opening act in East Lansing, Michigan. Oh, but maybe she just has to sing for the sake of the song. And who do I think that I am to decide that she's wrong? Maybe she just has to sing for the sake of the song. Thanks. No Root, No Fruit is hosted, produced, and written by me, Matt Watroba. I absolutely love doing this work, but it takes time. If you'd like to keep the podcast going, please consider heading over to NoRootNoFruit.com to make a direct donation or to join the growing number of sustaining subscribers on my Patreon page. I'm also eager to hear your thoughts, ideas, and questions about the podcast, so feel free to drop me an email from that page as well. You can also just join our growing Facebook group. Thanks again for funding season two with a successful Kickstarter campaign, and I'll be back with more in a couple of weeks.